Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hello and welcome to the program. You have a warning. Today's topic, MIBs in a Black Hawk. That's correct. Men in black, in Black Hawk. Black Hawk helicopter, that is. Now, we'll get to that story, but just quickly, I wanted to cover uh, two other uh, things I came across. The first one, one of the listeners uh, messaged me on Twitter, and this has got to be seen to believed. You can go to the uh, website, ufowarning.com, and get a link to this article. But believe it or not, this is another report of a jetpack man at LAX. And this comes to us from CNN. It says, um, an unidentified man was seen flying in a jetpack near the LA International Airport again. The man was spotted by a flight crew around 1.45 p.m. Wednesday, the Federal Aviation Administration confirmed to CNN. Now, I just want to interject here. I happen to know a fellow, he's an acquaintance actually, young guy, and he flies... uh, He's a pilot. He flies the smaller commuter jets, not the big boys like the 747, 727s, but he, he flies these routes, you know, from the commuter, the commuter routes, big enough jets. And uh, we brought this up, and he'd heard about it, of course, and, and got some snickers. But I said to him, I said, he says, well, you know, the jetpacks, they, they can fly at that altitude and this and that. But I said to him, I said, listen, what about the wakes of those big 727, 747s, those, those big Airbuses? How how is anybody going to be able to uh, hold a position? You have this 400-pound jetpack on your back. You're having to uh, coordinate and uh, guide yourself as you're hovering there at, uh, what was it, five 6,000 feet up in the air with these giant, massive uh, jet airplanes taking off and landing right there at the end of that runway. And we talked about this in the last podcast, this vortex effect. Well, he just kind of shook his head and said, you know, I don't know how you could do that. Well, of course, something really, really weird is happening here. Now, the fact is, these jetpacks are heavy. And as we covered the last time, you would only have enough fuel to be up in that altitude for a few minutes. You would certainly have to have somebody on the ground helping him get out of this jetpack. You know, you've got to take that thing off once you land. This isn't like the Jetsons. This is real life. So this is a very bizarre story. It says, quote, A China Airlines crew reported seeing what appeared to be someone in a jetpack at an approximate altitude of 6,000 feet, about seven miles northwest of Los Angeles International Airport, the FAA said in a statement. Now that's a mile up. I mean, I don't know how many of you have been uh, in small planes or whatever, or big planes, but, you know, if you're in a small little Cessna Cub or something, and you're up at 6,000 feet, man, that's a long ways down. Now, just imagine you're up there, and the only between you thing between you and certain death is this jetpack you're wearing. Why in the world would you be at the end of this airport for? This is nuts. The FAA said it alerted local law enforcement agencies and are investigating the report. 
It goes on and says, Similar sightings of a man in a jetpack near L.A. were reported to the FAA in September. An American Airlines flight was the first to report a guy in a jetpack at the plane's altitude of 3,000 feet above Los Los Angeles International Airport on September 1st. The aircraft crew said that the man was approximately 30 yards away from the aircraft. About 10 minutes later, another plane spotted the man. Now remember, we're talking about these airplanes, and I think we looked it up online, and these things are coming in at, you know, two, 300 mile an hour, faster speeds. So 30 yards at 300 mile an hour, or even say 100 mile an hour, is nothing. Nothing. Who in their right mind would do this? It says an American Airlines flight was the first to report a guy in a jetpack at the plane's altitude of 3,000 feet above Los Angeles International Airport on September 1st. The aircraft's crew said that the man was approximately 30 yards away from the aircraft. At about 10 minutes later, another plane spotted the man. The FBI previously concerned, previously confirmed that it was that it was investigating that particular incident. CNN has reached out to the FBI about the ongoing investigation in LAX for comment. There are no additional details at this time. Wow. You can definitely put that in the category of high strangeness. I I tell you, I have to say that I don't believe that this is a man in a jetpack. I think there's something way weirder than this. I think this falls into something closer to one of those winged humanoid cases or some type of a UFO. Maybe some, you know, I think sometimes pilots use uh, the word drone as a code word for UFO. And it's almost like they're using uh, the term jetpack guy as a code word for something. I mean, who's going to say, wow, I think I see a non-human entity outside my window. Wow, that's pretty strange. I don't know what that thing is. It looks like some kind of a winged humanoid. I don't know. That seems to make more sense to me than just some idiot in a jetpack. If they happen to catch this thing or this person, and it turns out that it's some moron up there flying up in a flight path, risking the lives of hundreds of people in a jetpack, and you hear about it before I do, please let me know. Now, the next article here ties in a little bit with what we're covering today. And this comes from... uh, DistinctToday.net. Now, this is about uh, that new movie. I guess it just came out. I haven't seen it yet. It's called The Phenomena. And they do kind of a narration, and it's, they talk about the, the, you know, basically the UAPs, what they call UFOs, um, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. I just saw the highlights, the, you know, some of the film clips. And I'm not trying to be critical of something that I haven't seen yet, but I saw it looks like they've got Christopher Mellon on there, maybe the Clintons. Uh, it seems like it's left-leaning deep state leaning as far as uh, its narration and bringing this whole thing up. And I see uh, I see a basic narrative happening of uh, Tom DeLonge's group of deep state uh, former employees being uh, made to be the heroes. And it, I, as I pointed out the other day, I did have a listener uh, make a comment or send me a message saying, well, we all know it was Christopher Mellon who released the uh, cockpit UFO videos. And I didn't know that, and I have still have not found uh, documentation of that. I'm, that could be a, a big rumor going around. Could be true. I don't know. But what? But what we know for sure is is that these things weren't released through the proper channels. But beyond that, now this is Harry Re- says Harry Reid says that uh, government is covering up huge amounts of evidence of UFO encounters. Now you have to ask yourself. Harry Reid was a very powerful uh, senator 
for many, many, many years. You have to ask yourself, well, does he know? I mean, what, what does he know and when did he know it? He says they're covering up huge amounts. So what are they covering up? At some point, Harry, you know, it just gets to the point where at what point does whatever secrecy oath that he took, at what point is it superseded by the, the public's need to know? I mean, if there's something there that's so dangerous that it made Tom DeLong not be able to sleep for three days, maybe we have a right to know what we're dealing with here. You know, if if if, if as many of these uh, military type think that these things are engaging in acts of war against us, I mean, don't we have the right to know that we that there is some sort of threat level against this country? Okay, it goes on here. It says, uh, according to Harry. Most of it hasn't seen the light of day, former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid says. The government is covering up huge amounts of evidence of UFO encounters. And then it goes on and says, uh, former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid made the claim in the documentary The Phenomena, which examines the history of UFO sightings in the U.S. Uh, second point, why the federal government all these years has covered up put brake pads on everything, stopped it. I think it's very, very bad for our country, he said. When asked if he's saying there's still evidence that hasn't yet been publicly disclosed, disclosed, Reed replies, I'm saying most of it hasn't seen the light of day. Since leaving office in 2017, he has become increasingly outspoken about UFOs. Following the release of videos taken by pilots that show unexplained aerial phenomena, in April, Reed wrote, the American people deserve to be informed. Now, that would have been a good opportunity for former Senator Harry Reid to suggest a way that uh, the Department of Defense could have brought those videos to the public's uh, viewing as opposed to leaking the videos, which nobody's ever been held accountable for. Nobody's ever been questioned about, as far as I can tell. Former Senator Majority Leader Harry Reid has confirmed that the U.S. government has been hiding key details about UFO encounters from the public for years. Reid made the claim in the newly released document, The Phenomena, directed by James Fox, which examines the history of UFO sightings in the U.S. from the 1940s all the way up to this spring's revelation regarding a Department of Defense probe into unexplained military sightings. And then he says, why the federal government all these years has covered up put brakes on everything, stopped it. I think it's very, very bad for our country, Reed tells Fox in the film. Well, we know that this sort of thing's been going on for a long time. Then it says here, Reed made the claim in the newly released documentary. Yeah, sometimes these articles, when you get them, they just kind of repeat themselves over and over. I don't know if they just have AI writing the stuff or if it's just kind of a habit where they feel like they don't want to put the time into the article to really get in-depth on stuff. But now I want to go ahead and get in a little more to what I'd promised you. And the topic here, I'll bring it up here just for a second. And the topic here is uh, men in black in a black hawk. And this uh, this this article uh, goes in depth a little bit about, you know, that first video that came from back in 2004, the Tic Tac video. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And it, I found this on 7news.com.au. This article's from, oops, about a year ago here, I believe. It says U.S. Yeah, published on... Uh, November 25th, 2019, about 11 months ago, U.S. Navy veterans say they were told to turn over 2004 UFO encounter data to unknown officers who arrived via helicopter. Now, I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but this whole thing with these videos has been brought up again um, with this new movie coming out. And there's such a cast of characters involved They've become pretty much fixtures now. Christopher Mellon, Louis Elizondo, Tom DeLong. Some of these guys who were former, uh, well, what frankly we would call deep state employees. I mean, I don't mean that in a disparaging term. I mean, just folks that have uh, top level uh, clearance levels, uh, top secret clearance levels, a lot of them. They've been working uh, on and off for the Department of Defense for maybe 25, 30, 40 years. And now all of a sudden they've left the Department of Defense or intelligence or wherever they were at, and they've kind of gelled into this group that's formed to the Academy of Stars, and they have a lot of money behind them. They're on the History Channel, Discovery Channel, all over the internet, and they have become the new generation of uh, the go-to UFO guys. I have a little bit of an issue with this because these guys all have such a heavy, heavy, uh, deep government background it seems like we're really lacking uh, the diversity today. We don't seem to have um, some of the old uh, old school credential scientists and journalists that used to make up the UFO investigative community. What I see happening is this uh, close-knit group of, of individuals, mostly men actually, uh, having left their jobs in the Defense Department or different the alphabet intelligence agencies, now all landing in you know in one or two of these uh, basically UFO companies. They're making money whether they're in the entertainment field, whether they're in engineering, whatever. But you see this transfer of knowledge, and we've talked about this before. When it goes from the government into private companies, FOIAs don't work. But you're seeing this shift, this whole this whole set of people that know things about UFOs and may even be sworn to secrecy to where they can't share information with us. So that creates a little bit of a problem. Now, this here article says, U.S. Navy veterans involved in the 2004 Nimitz UFO sightings have told us a U.S. website, have told us a U.S. website, unknown individuals turned up after the event and made them turn over all the recordings and data. Now, this is from what came off of the Fravers, uh, those F-18 Hornet cockpit videos, or I think there was one video, and then all the radar uh, data that was collected. I believe that ship was Princeton. And when they, they converted that data and they stored it in what they call bricks, which would be just like giant memory sticks. So this is basically a 3D picture of that whole area, the battle group, the UFO, and possibly more UFOs, because remember they talked about seeing a fleet of UFOs. So all of this... Uh, all these pictures, basically, taken from the radar data and the uh, uh, the F-A-18 Hornet uh, fighter cameras, FLIR cameras, whatever, was gathered, put together, 
stored on what they call these bricks, basically these giant memory sticks, sticks I suppose you'd call them. And then what happens? The men in black show up in a Black Hawk. And they take the stuff. It says the encounter has since been confirmed by the U.S. Defense Department. So this is not a conspiracy theory. This is a confirmed event. You had that first event that happened. We've all seen, uh, uh, I think it's Captain uh, uh, Fravor, the the gentleman that was the lead uh, fighter pilot. And he's done the interviews uh, with Louis Elizondo and I think Lex, whoever. He's been all over the internet talking about the video that we've come to call Tic Tac. That incident right there, all that data was collected. And we know that they have this uh, super high-def radar. It sounds like it's probably 3D. Remember, because they told us they couldn't release the slides, the pictures. It's so far advanced that even from back in 2004... 16-year-old technology so far advanced they can't share it because they say it would put uh, our country's safety at risk, basically. So this should tell you where they're at. I mean, imagine that. We didn't even have smartphones in 2004. Those didn't come around to what, like 2008, 2009 or something? So this is some really high-tech stuff. So we have all these, like I said, basically a 3D uh, image created of what's going on in this whole battle group. It's stored on these bricks, and then a couple of unidentified people show up in a Black Hawk helicopter, and boom, it's gone. Now, it goes on here, it says in 2017, excuse me, it says, okay, this encounter has been confirmed by the U.S. Defense Department. And then it says in the video above, the U.S. Navy confirms U.F. videos. We know know all about that. In 2017, it, I imagine that means the Navy, released footage from a Navy F-A-18 Super Hornet showing a mysterious flying object during the 2004 event. However, it is understood much more footage and data remains classified. Its location unknown. Well, it says it released in 2017. That's not correct. That stuff was leaked, and we still don't know who leaked it. And supposedly it was classified, and then they go back and say, well, it wasn't classified. Well, if it wasn't classified, then why did you unclassify it? A lot of sketchy stuff going on. The incident occurred in November 2004, about 160 clicks. I think it was about 100 miles off South Carol- off the California coast, when a number of unidentified flying objects, that's multiple, were encountered by the fighter pilots from the Nimitz Carrier Strike Group. They had been sent to investigate radar signals that did not match those given off by any known aircraft in which the ship's tracking system had been following for several days. Remember we talked about how these uh, radars, even back in 04, were so sensitive that they could track a softball-sized object at, I think we said, 80,000 feet. Just incredible. Now a trio of Navy veterans, not pilots, but other officers involved in that incident have told U.S. website Popular Mechanics what happened as it unfolded and in the aftermath. The men were sailing on a training mission as part of the U.S. Navy Strike Carrier Group 11 or 2, it must be 2. System technician Gary Voorhees said he was helping bed down new radar systems and helping get the the kinks out aboard the USS Princeton. Concentrated, excuse me, concerned about the readings he was getting, Voorhees recalibrated the new technology. Once we finished all the recalibration, 
and brought it back up, the tracks were actually sharper and clearer, Voorhees told the site. Their radar cross-section didn't match any known aircraft. They were 100% red. No squawk, no identification for underfoot. I couldn't make out details, but they'd just be hovering there. Then all of a sudden, in an instant, they dart off to another direction and stop again, Voorhees said. At night, they give off a kind of phosphorus glow, and there was... and and were a little easier to see than in the day. Sometime after all this data was recorded, Voorhees claims two people arrived on the ship via helicopter. They were never identified. And barely 20 minutes after that, Voorhees' senior officers told him to turn over all the recordings and delete any that remained on the ship. Now this is a question that needs to be answered. Was that somebody acting in their official capacity that did that, or were these some sort of hired mercenary folks who came in and did this? It says, they even told me to erase everything that's in the, that's in the shop, even the blank tapes, he told Popper Mechanics. Meanwhile, aviation officer Patrick Hughes was on the nearby USS Nimitz. It was his job to secure hard drive data recorders from the airborne early warning aircraft, the recorders that had stored data about the encounter. He too was visited by his commander, accompanied by two unknown individuals, and told to turn over the hard drives. So you see, they're getting the, they're getting the data from both the radar unit on the Princeton and from the cockpits and wherever else on the Nimitz. They're collecting everything. Well, if they collected everything, that's the first, well, I guess second, the first step in the chain of custody would have been the, the uh, assets that uh, acquired it, that is the radar installation on the Princeton and the jets on the Nimitz. There's your first step. Now here's your second step, basically, and that is the men in black coming in. So what happened to this data after the MIBs and the Blackhawks got it? That's the question. We put them in bags. He took them, then he and the two anonymous officers left, Hugh said. And also on the USS Princeton, Ryan Wiglet, a helicopter power plant specialist, told the site the two men had arrived on his ship, flown off, and returned with a bunch of bags. Well, there must have been an awful lot of stuff to take. He told Popular Mechanics to repair, repair to the Admiral's quarters and... A guard was stationed outside the door. Well, sounds like top-secret stuff being looked at. Another witness, who did not wish to be named, told a similar story to the site. What really make, made this incident alarming was when a Black Hawk helicopter landed on our ship and took all our information from the top-secret rooms, the witness said. This, this begs the question. If this video that was leaked to the New York Times and then on to, to the Academy of Stars, where they were allowed to put their watermark on this thing, and basically, what well, it appears, monetize the videos. Why were they allowed to do that? If this stuff wasn't top secret, then what was it doing in the top secret room? Something very sloppy seems to have occurred here. It says, we were all pretty shocked, and it was an unspoken rule not to talk about it, because we had secret clearances and didn't want to jeopardize our careers. Well, that is an interesting article. It's also posted at the website ufowarning.com. And what you see here is, 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 you know, we can watch those videos all day long and we can talk about it this and talk about that. But it, it's so important when we're discussing 
uh, evidence that's this important that we go back to the very beginning and see how it all started. And what we see here, and what's very what's very um, well described in this article, is how this UFO fleet was observed, how the videos were made, both by the radar ship and the Air Force F, uh, Hornet fighter planes, how uh, men in black, we call them, came down to the Princeton and the Nimitz, collected all the data that had been created from that UFO encounter, viewed it in a room where top secret stuff was viewed. So for all intent and purposes, this stuff was considered classified, top secret, whatever. And then left. Now that's in 2004. 13 years later, a cockpit video taken from one of the fighter planes off the Nimitz appears on, shows up, I guess, we're told, in the possession of the New York Times. And then, uh, as I understand it, the Times turns this stuff over to Tom DeLonge's company, to the Stars Academy, whatever it's called, and they release it online. With, uh, they go ahead and they put their big company logo on the video and they release it online for a couple of years, right? Before the Navy comes out and says, oh yeah, 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 that was it. Very strange thing happening here. How does something go from being viewed in that top secret room with the Admiral? I believe that's what he said. How does it go from the top secret room in a bag, at a goodie bag, and taken off the, the ship? by the men in black. How does it go from there to YouTube? That's just food for thought. So as you're watching the phenomena and you see all of these former DOD workers, all these former intelligence people, all these former head of of this task force or that task force, these former scientists, all these guys with top secret clearance or, or at least some type of, you know, confidential clearance. As you see these guys talk about their opinions and their views, uh, the UFO phenomenon, how they're changing the name from UFO to UAP, and how they're bringing us, you know, they're, they're going to bring us the knowledge, sit down, shut up, let us talk. Is this whole a drama plays out in front of you. Just recommend that you look at the evidence for yourself and say, well, how do they get this stuff? How did it just show up in their office? Why didn't it? Why was? Why weren't these videos posted online like the other stuff? What happened? It's your right and your duty as a free-thinking person to ask questions, and I think this article right here gives us that first timeline, that first, that first look at the chain of custody, and you can say, okay, this happened, that happened. And that happened. And then we have a very long dark space for 13 years before this stuff shows up again. It's kind of like uh, stolen artwork, you know? Someone doesn't just show up with a missing Picasso and say, yeah, I would like to go ahead and uh, put this in your museum and you can pay me to go see it. I mean, somebody shows up at an art dealer with a piece of famous art- artwork that's been missing for 10 or 15 years they don't demand to be paid. There's a police investigation. I mean, there should have been some kind of investigation here to where they would have gone back and the first thing the journalists should have done was try to have 
was try to prove the chain of custody. Instead of just falling all over themselves and saying what a great what a great group of guys we have at TSA or TSSA because they, they posted this stuff. The first thing that should have been done was proof of custody. How did this stuff get from this person to that person to that person? Fascinating case so all the way around. Also, very peculiar, weird stuff going on out there in L.A. with this jetpack guy. Man, you have to wonder what's happening. You can find all of it over at the website ufowarning.com. Stop by, click the links, check out what we've got going on. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out. Thank you.